Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. Ask you would remain standing in honor of God's word. We'll be reading this morning from John chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. After this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. A huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. Jesus went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. So when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? He asked this to test him. For he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. So they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also with the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, this truly is the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. One of the great Super Bowl commercials uh, that... I think is hilarious, and it's been one of the highest rated Super Bowl commercials, is a Snickers commercial in the 2010 Super Bowl, and it was starring Betty White, and she was on a football field, and there were a bunch of guys who were playing football, and uh, yeah, so here's the meme from it, and the line here, you're not yourself when you're hungry. And Betty White ate the Snickers bar and turned back into, you know, this like college age guy that was on the field. There have been a lot of commercials that have come out of this series and the tagline of, of grab a Snickers, Snickers satisfies. Now, how many of you all can identify with this? You're not yourself when you're hungry. Anybody willing to, uh, to admit that you get hangry, right? I will put myself there as well. I can identify it. Why is that? It's like there's something about being hungry and having some level of, of physical need or discomfort that just makes us not ourself. Well, this is the situation that Jesus is going to be dealing with in John chapter 6. There are people who are hungry. There are people who are in need of food and they want to be satisfied. And, and we're not going to see Jesus 
hand out a bunch of Snickers bars, but we are going to be, uh, see Jesus addressing this need and his provision. But what I want us to see most clearly through this text and what I think the uh, gospel according to John wants us to see most clearly out of this is who Jesus is and who uh, we are called to see that he is. And the first way that this text is going to show us who Jesus is, is that he is the shepherd. He's the shepherd. Now, when it comes to the gospels, the gospels in large part, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are showing us how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And so you're going to have these texts and we read them, but most of them have an Old Testament, a, a, a background in the Hebrew scriptures. And so there's some passage that this New Testament uh, gospel writer is pulling from. And Tim Mackey, who works for the Bible Project, he calls these references hyperlinks. And so in our kind of high-tech world, we're familiar on a website, if there's a hyperlink, what happens when you click a hyperlink? Well, it takes you to, to some background text, or maybe actually it's a Bible verse, and you click on the hyperlink and it'll pull up what that verse actually is. But these hyperlinks are all throughout the Gospel of John. And we're meant to see these hyperlinks. The original audience of this text had the Hebrew scriptures in their mind. We talked about this a little bit last week. They understood the scriptures. They knew the scriptures. And so when there was a reference that was made, they were able to click that hyperlink in their mind and pull up the scripture that's being referenced. Well, the hyperlink that we see here at the beginning of John chapter 6 is the Passover. We see that the Passover uh, in verse 4 was near. A Jewish festival was near. There are three times in John's gospel that we're going to see a Passover taking place. But the Passover is meant to bring to mind this event that the Passover celebrated. And what was it that was being celebrated when the Jewish people celebrated the Passover? The Exodus, right? The Exodus event where God's people were enslaved to Pharaoh in Egypt and God delivered them from slavery and they crossed what? The Red Sea and they went into the wilderness and they were led by who? Moses, right? So Moses leads the people of God out of Egypt, across the sea, into it's ultimately going to be the promised land, although it's going to take 40 years of wandering to get there. But they, they immediately go into the wilderness. And Moses goes up on what? A mountain. Okay. So with the Passover hyperlink clicked, we have Jesus. And he is crossing a sea. And he's going into the wilderness. He's followed by this multitude, this crowd of people, and he goes up on a mountain. And so these are hyperlinks. These are things that are connecting Jesus with Moses and the Passover event that represented Moses. Now, when the people get out into the wilderness, we find in uh, this question that Jesus asked, where will we buy bread so these people can eat? There are all of these people, there's 5,000 just men and well beyond that in terms of women and children. And so there's a hunger problem. There's a need for food. Well, there is also a time when the Israelites experience a hunger crisis. They're in the wilderness and we see in Exodus 16, 3, 
the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt. That is hangry right there. (laughs) If only we had just died in Egypt. When we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you, Moses, brought us into this wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. So there is a problem. And the problem is they are hungry and there is no rational way of providing food for these people. Now, jumping back to John chapter six, verse four, Philip answered 200 denarii, which that's about eight months wages worth of bread. Couldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. So we're finding that similar to the Israelites, there's no way naturally that they're going to be able to provide bread for all of these hungry people, even to have a small amount. However, there is a boy, and we see in verse 9 that a boy has five barley loaves and two fish. And then this question, but what are they? By the way, barley loaves are not like Panera bread loaves. These are these tiny little pita breads, basically, and they were poor people's food. uh, Barley was what poor people and animals ate. And so there are these tiny little loaves. uh, And then there's these two uh, fish that, and the the word that's used there is small. So think like, anybody like sardines in the room? Any sardines fans? Okay. A couple people willing to admit that. And uh, yeah, you can, you can smell people who like sardines, but that is kind of what we're talking about. So these are small loaves and fish, and this has been called a Middle Eastern Lunchable, and I think that's about right. You know, you have this, this small amount. And, and so clearly, what are they? For all of these people, there's no possible way that this could be used to feed all of these people. Now, what we are also meant to see is a theme. And we've talked about this. When it comes to the kingdom of God, the way Jesus teaches it, who is greatest in the kingdom? It's the least. And what does he say we are to become like in order to enter the kingdom? A little child, right? And so the kingdom of God that Jesus has come to bring is upside down. It's the least that are the greatest. It's the little children who just trust that ultimately are able to get in when all of these wise, uh, you know, knowledgeable, older people, they just, they just can't see it. And so this is, this is consistent. This little boy with these little fish and these little loaves are consistent with the way that Jesus works through the purposes of his kingdom. So Jesus moves on and he tells the people to sit down in verse 10. There were plenty of it says there was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000, and this is, we'll talk a little bit more about this. That's a military uh, organization. 5,000 men would be a rank of the military. And Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also with the fish, as much as they wanted. Now, why does John choose, he doesn't waste words. So why does he choose to tell us that there was plenty of grass in that place? Well, we, Briley, recited Psalm 23 earlier in our service. 
Is there anything in Psalm 23 that references this? There is, right? The Lord is my shepherd. And where is it that when the Lord is your shepherd, where is it that you're able to lie down? In the green pastures, the grass. So the Lord is the shepherd who allows his people to lie down in the grass. And that's the most memorable text. But the text that's directly behind John 5 and 6, and I've talked about this over the previous weeks, um, the, the specific text that is, is being addressed consistently comes from Ezekiel 34. And if you remember, we talked a few weeks ago about the bad shepherds that were in the temple, the leaders who were to be caring for and healing and feeding the sheep were actually feeding on the sheep, right? That's what we found out. They were not good shepherds. And this was the background, was that there are these bad sheep at the beginning of Ezekiel, or bad shepherds at the beginning of Ezekiel 34. And those are the leaders of the people of God. They're called shepherds. And they are ultimately not caring for the sheep. And so what we find is in this place of bad shepherds who are not caring for the sheep, uh, verse 11, for this is what the Lord God says. See, I myself will search for my flock and look for them as a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among his scattered flock. So I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and total darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples, gather them from their countries and bring them to their own soil. And we think about all of these people leaving their towns, leaving the areas, coming out into the wilderness. I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel. Where is Jesus as he is experiencing all of this? Right, He's mountains of Israel. In the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the land, I will tend them in what? In good pasture. In their grazing place. What do you graze? Any farmers or folks here? What do you graze on? Grass, right? This is, this is agricultural language. Sheep eat, sheep graze on grass. will be on Israel's lofty mountains. Again, where they are. They will lie down in a good grazing place. They will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. And so Jesus is fulfilling this. He is the Lord coming as a shepherd, pulling the people away from the bad shepherds who are not healing them. They're not caring for them. Jesus is healing them. He is caring for them. And now he's brought them out away from all of that into this wilderness place on the mountain. And he is going to feed them. And they are on grass and they're receiving all of this provision. And so Throughout John 5 and 6, this Ezekiel 34 is, is right in the background. But what is picked up here is what it is that Jesus is going to feed them with. And, and so that's our second point that we need to consider, which is Jesus is the prophet. He is the prophet. When the people saw the sign that he had done, so Jesus multiplying these five loaves and two fish and feeding all these people, uh, they said, this truly is the prophet who is to come into the world. Now, who are they talking about? Who is the prophet who was to come into the world? Well, who was it who led the people of God out of Egypt and across the sea and into the wilderness and who was up on the mountain? Moses. And Moses had promised in Deuteronomy eighteen fifteen, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. 
from among your own brothers, you must what? Listen to him. What does sheep do with a shepherd? Listen, right? Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and the stranger they will not follow. Sheep listen to the shepherd, they follow him. But what does a prophet do? A prophet speaks, right? He speaks the word of God. And what was Israel supposed to do to the prophets who God sent? Listen, did they? No, they didn't, right? And that was the problem. But they didn't live to the prophet. But, but this is what God is calling these people to do, is to see this is the prophet that Moses predicted would come. And so you are to listen to him, to hear what he says. Uh, we see in verse 13, they collected the leftovers. By the way, um, this for me is a life verse because Jesus tells them to take the leftovers and collect them. And so what this means is Jesus doesn't like leftovers. And so when I go out to eat with my children and they don't eat all of their food, I feel like it's my responsibility as a follower of Jesus to collect the leftovers and make sure they don't go to waste. Uh, but, and so if you want to talk about how you can justify sin through scripture, you know, we can talk later. But you can commit gluttony as long as you, you know. Anyway, uh, from the piece of the, how many barley loaves? They fill, okay, before that, they filled how many baskets? 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves. The number 12 is a consistent number of scripture and, and it's important. These are hyperlinks. And so when we see these numbers that are used consistently throughout scripture, we need to pay attention to them. What does the number 12 refer to? Israel, right? There are 12 tribes in Israel. The number 12 references Israel. And so there are now, how many apostles? How many disciples? There's 12. And there is a, there's a tie that we're meant to see here with this, this representation of Israel and, and this filling of these people with how many barley loaves? Five. Now, this one's a little harder. You have to know your Hebrew scriptures well and kind of your Jewish uh, way of reading. What does five refer to? You may know? It's the Torah. The number five is in reference to the Torah. How many books are in the Torah? Five. And who is the name that's always associated with the Torah? Moses, right? Well, have we talked about Moses? We have been, right? And so this is meant to, we're meant to see these elements. And there's, there's, there's a lot of discussion among scholars about the two fish, but a lot of scholars see this as the Tanakh, the law, the prophets, and the writing. And you have the, the Torah, which is this fundamental connection with Moses, and then you have the prophets and the writings. And there's a, there's a representation here. And, and this is something that, that, is, that is important for us to consider, is, is what is taking place as, as Jesus is, he is feeding their physical needs, right? He's providing bread and he's providing fish and he's meeting this hunger. But there's, there's something that he's doing as the what? What did they say he was? He is, as the, as the, he's the shepherd, but he's also the, the prophet. And there's something he's doing here as a prophet that is bringing about this fullness, this fulfillment and, and it's, it's tied with Moses and the Torah and it's tied with the 12 tribes and the baskets that are being collected. And, and we're going to see this play out fi- in the final uh, portion of Jesus' identity, which is that he's king. He's the king. So verse 15, therefore, when Jesus realized 
they were about to come and take him by force to make him what? King. He withdrew again to the mountain by himself. How were they to take him? They were going to come and take him by force, right? And this word force also means to seize or to grasp. And it's actually a word that's used to refer to Satan in different passages, but it's this forcing, this grasping, this seizing. And, and it is connected with the kingdoms of the world. And this is where we have to consider, is Jesus a king? He's a king. So is him leaving this group of people who want to make him king and going off and not allowing this to take place? Does this mean that he was, he was totally against the idea? Well, no. This group of how many men? 5,000. This is a military uh, grouping, and they are in an area that is known for uprising. It's known for zealots. It's known for uprising. We see these taking place. And they have this, this propensity to follow a leader to Jerusalem, and they're going to take it on. And this is a consistent theme throughout the New Testament. We see this. And Jesus is not for that. Because his kingdom does not operate that. And, and this is what we see in John 18. Uh, my kingdom, Jesus says, in this, in this discussion with Pilate, is not of this world. So Jesus, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would what? Would fight, right? The same idea, force, grasp, seize, fight. So that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. That's how kingdoms of this world operate. And yet... But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. You're a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this and I have come into the world for this to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, what? Listens to my voice. He is a king, but he's not a king of this world. He's not a king who operates by force. He's not a king who operates in the way that the world does. He is a king who rules by what? Words. Listening to his words. He, he oversees a kingdom that moves forward through words. Through hearing and trusting and obeying and sharing his words. And this is something that is crucial for us to see. John 6, 3. Jesus went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. And so he's on this mountain. Mark explains Jesus' teaching. And many would say the teachings that we have in like the Sermon on the Mount would be reflective. This is what Jesus is teaching consistently. This is his teaching. And, and he's, he's laying this out on this mountain. And there is a way in which uh, this is tied with how his kingdom works and, and what he's come to bring. And it's words, and you're going to have to hang with me for a second, but words in the Hebrew scriptures are tied with what? Bread. Okay? And I know that's not, that's not how we think, but this is, words are connected with bread. And Moses goes up on a mountain. Does he have bread for 40 days? No, but what does he, what does he get? Words. He gets words. Right? And, and Jesus is in the wilderness and he's being tempted by Satan. Right? He's in this, this exchange. 
and Satan is tempting him with the kingdoms of what? The world, this world. You can have kingdoms of this world. And what he's trying to get him to avoid is what? The cross, right? He's trying to get, you don't have to go to the cross. You can have the kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms that reflect these these physical appetites and, and these desires for, for worldly possessions and power. You can, I can give all that to you. Does Jesus take that bait? No, right? And when it's a physical rock, he says, hey, I know you're hungry. Just like Moses was hungry. And you can make yourself bread. What does Jesus say to him? He gives him Words. He doesn't take the bread. Instead, he gives him words. And those words come from Deuteronomy 8, 2 through 3. This is upon entering the promised land. Remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey, these 40 years in the wilderness, so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart. So they're hungry, and their hunger is for the purpose of revealing their heart, whether or not you would keep his what? Commands, the actual scripture is words. The 10 commandments are the 10 words, whether or not you would keep his words. So by depriving you of bread, he was seeing if you would value and keep his words. He he humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word It comes from the mouth of the Lord. And there's this tie with manna and the word of God. And there's a lot that's here because this text says you eating manna was you depending on God's word. And it's like, well, hold on. But there's something that's taking place here. There's an expression of the word of God through manna that's being uh, eaten. But it's this full provision of God in the wilderness. And, And the test of the physical hunger The test of not having all of these appetites meet is that you actually, you're humbled first, but that you desire God and his word rather than just God meeting your needs and and doing these, these kind of physical things that worldly kingdoms focus on. And as we come through all of this, this is what we're, we're led to ask is do we have the level of trust that is described in Deuteronomy. We're going through a time of hunger for how many years? That's a long time, right? But going through all of this time and wanting more, <laughs> but not having it, accomplished a purpose. It accomplished this humility, but it accomplished this this transfer of desire where desire was on God and trust was in God as what? The shepherd. The trust in God as provider. Did they naturally, when they went out into the wilderness, trust God? No, that's how they got in the whole mess and they walked around. They didn't trust God to be their provider. That's why they were so upset with Moses. And yet through this process of physical hunger, they learned to to trust God. And and this is 
where Jesus is, is moving all of this. He's saying there's a way that worldly kingdoms operate that is about grasping and forcing and fighting. It's about self-preservation. And Peter follows that road, right? He takes up the sword and he cuts off the guy's ear. And Jesus says, put away your swords, right? This is not how my kingdom operates. There's a different way. But that, that reaction, we're all prone to grasp. We're all prone to try to provide for ourselves or to manipulate or control things, to make things work a certain way. But that's the kingdom of the world. And that's where Jesus says in his teachings, he says, you are not to be like the Gentiles. You're not to be like those people. Don't worry about what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about those things. Right? And sometimes I really think we do not take Jesus' teachings seriously. Right? And, but I think this is absolutely what we're meant to see. He's coming to give this, this revelation of truth. And what he's telling us is that we can trust our Father to provide. He says he provides for the birds. He provides for the flowers. Can he take care of you and your needs? And he says to seek first what? The kingdom of God. Right, Put your focus on God and what he's doing and trust him as king. Trust him to provide. And as you do this, does that mean that your needs will go completely unmet? Is all these things will be provided for you. Right? Did the little boy who gave up his Lunchable get to eat lunch? Praise the Lord, he did. Right? He did, but he also got to participate in God doing this incredible work. Through Jesus. And this is how the kingdom of God operates. The only way that you can release your lunchable, <laughs> right? Or for Peter, your sword or your Snickers bar, is if you actually trust God to provide for you. And it's only in that kind of trust, in actually trusting God as Father, as Provider, as King. That we're able to open our hands, not close them around a sword or Snickers bar, but open them in surrender to God, in trust, and in generosity, giving out of what he has first given us, that we will be able to keep the command. So Jesus takes all of this teaching, right, all of these commands and all of these words through the scriptures, and he brings them, he gives one command, I give a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you. How did he love us? Through the cross. Right? Not through closing his hand around a sword, but through opening his hands so that nails could be driven through them. Just as he loved us by dying on the cross to pay for our sins. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. He says, if you do this, you'll keep the law. <laughs> Right, All of those other things will take care of themselves. But how is it possible to live this way? How is it possible to open our hands and love others sacrificially and selflessly and step into this outflowing, generous kingdom of God? It's only through the security of knowing that God will provide our needs. And ultimately, how did God provide for our needs? Through Jesus. Right, He provided Forgiveness of all of our sins through Jesus dying on the cross. 
And he provided eternal life through Jesus rising from the dead. He provided for our ultimate needs. And if we believe in Jesus and trust in him, we'll be with God forever. We'll have, we'll have ultimately our, our needs of our soul and our eternal needs met. But then every day, we continue to be called to this kind of trust, this kind of surrender. And so the question is, what is it? And I've asked the band to come up as we, th- as we close our time. What is that Snickers bar? What is that sword? What is that thing that because you're f- experiencing fear or anxiety or uncertainty, you're turning to? the call today is to let that go and to surrender completely to God your whole life to him trusting in him and maybe you're here and you've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus like we saw through baptism this expression of surrendering your whole life all that you are to Jesus trusting in his sinless life lived in your place his substitutionary death on the cross died to pay for your sins and give you forgiveness. His resurrection from the dead to give you new and eternal life. I'd love to talk with you about that. I'll be in the prayer room after our service. I would love to pray with you or talk with you about that. But maybe there's just something else. Denise will be there as well. would love to pray with you. love to talk about that. Maybe there's something else that, that you are, it's just, it's got you, it, you're, you're so fearful. You're so anxious. It's got you somehow not doing what Jesus calls us to do. As the call today is just to open your hands, to let that go, to surrender that. Father, we thank you that you love us, that you're a good father. You're a good king. You provide for our needs. We thank you that you ultimately provided for our needs through Jesus, the one greater than Moses, the one who came to give us new and eternal life with you. Thank you that Jesus died for our sins, that his blood was shed so that we might be fully forgiven and cleansed and made new. Thank you that he rose from the dead to give us hope that death itself will be conquered, that nothing can separate us from you. We pray that that would be our hope and if there's anyone who, who doesn't have that hope, I pray that they would do that today. They would trust in Jesus. But maybe there's something in our lives that's kept us from that security that's, keep, that's, that's bringing fear, that's bringing worry into our lives. Would you allow the teachings of Jesus to tell us, don't fear, don't worry. Because your Father in heaven can provide. Lord, would you give us that kind of trust that kind of faith that would allow us to be able to open our hands and love others and bless others and serve others. And so in all this, we know your spirit is the only way that we can have that kind of peace and joy in all circumstances. And so we're praying that your spirit would even work right now in our hearts and our lives. Ask all of us for the glory of King Jesus. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.